really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, results, great interviews, and so much more, all about the world of rugby union. As always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. I support my Free Jacks in the MLR. I root for the Eagles and then Scotland internationally. I'm a fan of the Highlanders and Super Rugby. I love Connacht in the URC and Waikato in the NPC. This week, we're going to have to cut a few corners as I was very short of time for viewing, so I wanted to be sure to publish this as soon as I could. And uh, so not every single game is going to be covered. But if you want to get in touch, by all means, please do. I always love to hear from you. I can be found on Twitter at of Scrum. I'm on the Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And you can always just shoot me an email at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. Get in touch whenever and however you like. So without uh, with all the uh, admin out of the way, let's get on with the show. So current updates... Well, you know what? I just finished my second week of teaching, filling in for a teacher who's out on maternity. And you know what? It's going great. This week was much easier than the previous week. And every day I'm with these kids, we just sort of get each other a little bit more. And, you know, they aren't acting like absolute raving lunatics every moment of every day anymore. So so I've introduced something I used to do with my college students, which is a, a thing I call stump the chump. Uh, basically, any student can bring in any vocabulary word, and everyone who does so, uh, they, they put their name in my Free Jacks hat. Oh, am I subliminally indoctrinating them by displaying Free Jacks logos and gear and imagery wherever I can? Maybe. In any event, uh, I have someone draw three names out of my magic Free Jacks hat. Those students get to tell me their word. I have to spell it and define it, or else they get what uh, what we're calling in this class house points. Uh, the, the teacher I'm filling in for is a huge Harry Potter fan uh, of the books and movies, not the rugby player, as far as I know. Uh, so this week was our first crack at it. End result, I managed to blow their tiny little minds a little bit. Uh, you know, they're in the seventh grade, if you recall. But, you know, they definitely stumped me a couple of times. Uh, their biggest misses were hysterectomy. Uh, they simply couldn't understand how I knew that one. Uh, onomatopoeia, uh, which... Uh, uh, onomatopoeia, sorry, I guess, um, which I w- even I was shocked to have spelled correctly. And uh, at least four of them brought in the longest word in English, which fortunately I had recently looked up. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Um, so when the second kid was like, okay, I have a word, but I can't pronounce it. I was like, oh, is it a 45 letter word that basically means what is more commonly called silicosis? Yeah, they basically assumed I was a witch at that point, uh, which is fine by me. For the record, the one that stumped me the most was a four-letter word I'd literally never encountered before. Apparently, the word bole, B-O-L-E, means the trunk of a tree. (laughs) So, bold move to bring such a short word, and it definitely paid off. Good job on that kid. Obviously, I'm kind of starting to enjoy this. He's stupid! He's stupid! People have to know! Yes, Isa, it finally is good news. So, just recently, I was lucky enough to have a, a chat here on the pod with Will Owen, and we both sort of expressed our frustration over how hard it is for Josh Navidi to stay on the field. Right on cue. Boom. He was back. Josh. I, I mean, I, I call him Josh, obviously. Josh was out for the past five months, only coming back this very weekend for Cardiff. Of course, his team were in for an all-time beatdown on Friday night. But nevertheless, it was, you know, honestly, it was truly great to see him back out there. 
Um, they didn't seem to have to like manage his minutes at all. He showed no fear as always. He managed to lead his side in tackles with 16. And uh, this from Wales Online, quote, Wales have called up Josh Navidi to the Six Nations squad ahead of Friday night's match against France with Ellis Jenkins released. Navidi played a full 80 minutes for Cardiff against Ulster on Friday night, his first rugby since October. He now comes straight into the selection mix with Wayne Pivak, a huge fan of the destructive 31-year-old. Club teammate Jenkins had been released from the squad to play for Cardiff in the upcoming matches in South Africa, thus ending his Six Nations involvement. He started the opening match of the championship against Ireland after cap captaining the team in the autumn, but has been out of favor since. There was still no official call for Alan Wynne-Jones, who's with the Wales squad as he continues his rehabilitation from soldier, uh, shoulder injury. Josh, oh man, so great to have you back. We have missed you. Okay, let's get right into the reviews, my friends. So I had a butt ton of work to do this weekend, and so there were three matches I haven't gotten to yet, so sorry for that. I'm not going to provide scores because I actually still want to kind of watch these. So please, no spoilers on your end either. Uh, those were, of course, Blues and Chiefs and Super Rugby. Oh, man, that's probably so good. And then uh, Gloucester versus uh, Northampton and Exeter versus Sale on the Prem. All of them, which I'm hoping to, uh, you know, end up being as good as they look on paper. So maybe a mini pod is in order. We'll have to see about that. Anyway, special treat. I managed to rope Craig from the Scottish Rugby Podcast in to help me cover at least some select parts of the URC action this weekend, and it was great, as always. So, get ready for a special surprise treat. Uh, oh, wait, it's not a surprise anymore. In any event, let's start with the league that started it all for me. So, in Super Rugby, now Super Rugby Pacific, you know, given that they're 13 hours ahead of me, it's always the Super Rugby matches that are available first, so we might as well start with them. In fact, prior to now, I've been sort of intentionally mixing up which competition I cover first each week, but it occurs to me that a little more stability and consistency might be beneficial. So, Super Rugby Pacific will come first, then I'll do the Prem and the URC, followed by uh, Major League Rugby. It feels odd to do my closest competition and the only one I ever get, I ever get to see in person in, you know, in the last, but the fact is... The MLR fixtures aren't done until long after those other leagues are, so I think I should go with the chronology in this case. So, on Friday, we kicked off with, oh man, Moana Pacifica, making their long-awaited debut, facing the Crusaders. You know, unfortunately, this one was never in doubt. I'm not going to go into it too much. I mean, from the moment they put it on the schedule, Moana Pacifica acquitted themselves well. But, you know, it's the Crusaders, and they don't like to lose. James, be careful. Goldstein does not like to lose. Oh, like I do? Anyway, it took the Crusaders until after the clock went red to actually get their expected bonus point victory. It was 12 to 33 all told. Not the best showing for the Crusaders. I, I wonder how much of that was an off night and how much of it was the actual strength of this brand new side. I'd like to think it was the latter. Um, anyway, Fiji and Drua, they were playing the Rebels. The Drua didn't look very good in the first half of this one. They found themselves down 7 to 14 as they started the second half. A beautiful park, by the way. You know, all the stands on one side and then a sloped field on the other side where kids can kind of run around and chase after every ball that's kicked into touch. Looks like they've got the, the family entertainment angle covered really well there. So Mira Mira, he made an excellent steal off a Rebels lineout, ran it all the way in. Amazing piece of work. And then <laughs> a shot of a Fijian woman in the crowd wearing an Arkansas sweatshirt, an Arkansas Razorbacks sweatshirt. Arkansas? <laughs> but then again, I realized... Even as I was writing that, I realized, wait a minute, if I owned a Fijian Drua hoodie, I would definitely be wearing it right now, so I guess I will shut up. In any event, Boom Boom and the Drua have scored 10 in quick su uh, succession. 
They suddenly found themselves enjoying an eight-point lead. What a turnaround. However, a bit of sloppy play deep in their own 22, and Rebels get a try that was so easy that even I would have had like a 10% chance of scoring it. It was 22-19 entering the final quarter of play. Really good stuff. The Drua, they got another penalty to take the lead to six, followed quickly by another opportunity, and the lead was two scores minimum with about 12 minutes left. My notes simply read, I am so rooting for the Drua right now. So, in the end, the first ever victory for the Fijian Drua franchise, the first ever win at their home venue, the beautifully named Sunshine Coast Stadium. A fantastic day for me. I always love it when an underdog comes through. Of course, after all this, will the Rebels ever be favored again anytime soon? So it was 31-26 to in an incredible, sweaty affair. So good to see the come-from-behind success of the new side. So well done, guys. So next up was Western Force versus the Reds. Another one I didn't really cover too much, I have to say. But again, y'all, I, I know it's something I only I care about. But the seasonal differences when you're watching these multiple leagues, it's so cool. So after watching the bundled up, you know, New England style fans at, you know, for instance, Harlequins versus Newcastle, it's just weirdly super cool to see people drenched to their very boots with sweat on the very same day. And this is exactly why I cover global rather than just local rugby. It's my favorite thing, just the, the diversity of it all. It's, it's my favorite thing. It's so much more exciting on like a worldwide scale, at least, you know, I guess if you're a super nerd like me. Anyway, it was super hot out there, as I say. Uh, 16 to 29 was the final score. I was sweating just looking at this one. Uh, next up was Blues Chiefs. And as I mentioned just a minute ago, I am saving this one for my own amusement. But then, uh, maybe I should have saved, well, no, wouldn't have done any good. Saturday, we saw the Hurricanes versus my Highlanders. My guys, we were desperate for a win this week, or at least they should have been. But, you know, the energy just seemed like at an all-time low is it the weird bubble that they've been dealing with? Has has that ended? What's going on? Uh, oh my word, I feel like the phrase, what's going on, has been uttered twice as many times in the last six months as it was in the entirety of 1971 when God's Rest in Marvin Gaye released What's Going On on Motown Records. Okay, I guess that was just my sort of roundabout way of ignoring the obvious fact that we just suck this year. Winless and rudderless, it's... it's, it's Hard to remember how close we were, just losing out in a final, you know, things feel just very different this year. Even though, you know, 21 to 14, that was the easy on the eyes final tally. It was smoothed over, over further, you know, by the ending interview with Artie, who's as soft in conversation as he is hard in competition. He'll spend all day on the pitch destroying you. And then he'll go have a beer with you and explain what his game plan was and, you know, why he thinks you're just such a great competitor. <sighs> anyway, finally. For Super Rugby this weekend, it was Brumbies at home for the Waratahs, 27-20, and I apologize, I have no notes for this. I thought Falau Fayenga, uh, you know, he had another strong performance, and I'm still hoping one of you guys will get in touch with me to let me know why he's suddenly, you know, persona non grata in the Wallabies camp these days. I just don't get it. Okay, friends, moving on to the URC. And on Friday, we had two matches and lots of lots of points. <laughs> it was Edinburgh, they were home for Connacht, and it was Ulster at home for Cardiff. Between Edinburgh and Ulster, they scored 104 points to their opponents, 20, just two total massacres. Edinburgh alone scored a whopping 56. And to discuss that very fact, I have a very special guest with me, yet another of the unruly characters who make up the Scottish Rugby Podcast. Mr. Craig Manson is here to join us on the Scrum of the Earth. Craig, you must be in a great mood today. 
I am uh, well. We 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 had a little bit of a discussion about me uh, not feeling very well, but I'm in a great mood. I'm 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 over. You know, uh, the uh, the result on the weekend has uh, kept my spirits high. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, folks. Uh, Craig has unfortunately just tested positive for the dreaded COVID, but uh, that's not going to keep him away from talking about Edinburgh. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what I'm here. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> So right off the bat, the, the comms mentioned that Edinburgh haven't actually lost at home uh, at the damn health all year. Somehow I had totally missed that. We were, that must have been obvious to you. Um, yeah, well, it, it's obvious to me, obviously, because, you know, I've been at most of them. Unfortunately, I missed the game. This is a, I missed the game on, uh, on Friday night just because of not feeling that great. So I was, I was gutted not to be there. But yeah, it's becoming a little bit of a fortress for us. Obviously, it's a, it's a, four or five G pitch. So it's a different pitch to a lot of places that especially for example Connaught play uh play on the uh, well they're used to us uh, you know a, a force 10 gale most of the times they yep. play at the uh, at the sports ground. So uh, but yeah it's a different surface but it has become when 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 teams are coming to to Edinburgh they're used to be playing in Murrayfield or at Meyer site or at the 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 old um uh, the old stadium, uh, Meadowbank, and you would lose. At times, there would be three thousand people there. You would lose. You would lose the noise. You would lose mm. the fans shouting. But the Dam Health has really um, uh, become a cauldron of noise, and I would, I, I would very much challenge any Edinburgh person, not to, any Edinburgh fan, not to be buoyed by the noise that um, mm. that, that surrounds the team when they play at home. It seems like it's going really well there. I feel like the fans all pretty universally love the space. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, well, to be perfectly honest, we've not really had a good home for a long time. You know, obviously, mm. Murrayfield's beautiful, but we uh, it, it, we kind of rattle around inside it. So having our own space, um, we can really come together. I st I stand on the Lothian stand, which is a uh, you've got a terrace area as well as seats, and and you you know everyone in your mm. section that you sit, stand beside. So you get a little bit of camaraderie going. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it really is a fantastic place to go to now. Well, Edinburgh, so I actually support Connacht in the URC, and I, th I thought this one was going to be close. It looked like it might be for 15 or 20 minutes, but just an absolute blowout. Um, you know, what was your overall impression of this game? Do you think, I mean, did, did Connacht fold up tent at halftime and go away or? Well, Connacht are, are, are very well known to have, well, in fact, they are known statistically to have one of the poorest defences in the URC. Mm. Um, but their playmakers and their attack um, masks that significantly mm. because they're a very, very live wire team. And in the first first 20 minutes um, uh, of the game playing against Edinburgh, you know, they really, they showed that they were they were attacking, putting a lot of pressure on Edinburgh. Edinburgh were scrambling with their defence. Um, and unfortunately, they only went eight points up, whereas they could have gone, a couple, you know, a few, uh, they could have had another try at one point where they, unfortunately the, the, the uh, the ball was was knocked on, so they looked very strong. And I I was I agree with you. I was I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought we um, it was going to be really interesting to see how how the 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 predominantly young Edinburgh team was going to go up against a um, a Connacht team that only really lost have only really lost two players to the um, to the uh, international squad. It was a very unusual Edinburgh side. Uh, I wrote down that I just wasn't sure what to make of it ahead of time, but it looks like uh, you might have found some some new possibilities. I guess. Yeah, very much so. It's it's well, you know, we're, we're very lucky in the fact that um, 
we've made some very, very good signings very uh, lately. Um, bringing in um, uh, Moyano, Immelman and Boffelli in the back three, they're a really stable back three, a really strong attacking back three, and they're big lads. Moyano's not as big as Boffelli and Immelman, but they're big lads, and, and so they provide a really strong back three, so that if there are any mistakes um, within, this, within the centres or, 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 or around from the forwards, then they can mop it up fairly easily. Mm. Uh, defensively, they're very, very strong. Um, and then obviously we we are still um, uh, we're still very strong in the forwards. The the Cockrell effect is, is mm. still with the team, you know. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, uh, Connick did score first. They got themselves eight points up, and then Edinburgh said, "Oh wait, I guess it's time for us to start scoring." And uh, you already said two of the names of Buffelli and then Immelman within four minutes. The the what the comms called the double strike tries, and Buffelli was just converting everything. Yeah, it, it took me until just a few weeks ago to realize how incredible Buffelli is. Can you can you talk a little bit about what he's meant to Edinburgh this year? Yeah, um, uh, I think he's actually been take, quite taken aback at how he's been received in Edinburgh, um, uh, and he almost you know he's been he's spoken um, before of almost feeling at home already within Edinburgh, and he's only been here for a little while. Very very. Um, when you talk about the back three alone, obviously he's got a countryman uh, and fellow internationalist in Moyano who came in at the same time. So he's right. got someone. He's got someone who he has, you know, to share the experience with. That felt intentional too. It felt like the you know the the ownership or the whatever the the group in charge was like, let's get two of these guys so they have some camaraderie and some you know it's not such a fish out of water kind of feeling. Yeah, well, we've, we've they've, they've, uh, the the SRU are known for 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 thinking about these sort of things you know for example when we were very strong and i think um oh i've forgotten the chap's name the guy that uh, uh that did the documentary on the um on fiji and tonga etc um but uh he was talking about how scotland um they have people in place to make sure that um anyone that's coming from another country is made welcome and is mm. looked after and have a buddy system um and uh and and we always were, were fairly proud of that situation. You know, we're fairly proud of that. Um, but yeah, he settled in. For me, it's a strike running. He's uh, at the at the start of the um, at the start of the season. It was Blair Kingon. It was taking most of the kicks, um, and Buffelli was just settling in with his with his strike running and his wing wing work. But he's taking the kicks over, and and he's at that point now where we're not. You know, some of the the kicks he's putting across, you're not expecting to get because. We're used to being Edinburgh, and we're used to missing a few of them, you know. Um, so eight for eight uh, last night, just in conversions, yeah, sixteen absolutely. points just off his feet, just for conversions, yeah. incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Absolutely. So, so you're there for a lot of these games, so you get to see this guy in person. Is uh, there must be something even better seeing the man in person than you know where I'm watching him on TV? He has this incredible, like he's got such pace, but he never looks like he's moving that fast. Maybe it's just the length of his stride. I'm not sure. Is it is it something else to watch? Yeah, I think we've we. Funnily enough, I think we've got two or three of those. Um, you know, Blair Kinghorn, um, Immelman, and Buffelli all have that long stride, and they don't look like they're working hard when they're mm. at full pace, um, and they can spot a gap pretty quickly and and take it on. And and you know, we'll talk about Blair in a minute, I guess. But um, you know, they're all willing to take a soft shoulder and try and get their hands free around the back of a player. Um, so they can then offload the ball on, move the ball on. Um, and for that, 
we keep our ball alive a lot more. We, we're not kicking it away as much as other teams will and, and almost saying, well, you have the ball and we'll, def- we'll play in defence. We're actually finding that we're attacking a lot more um, and, and we would rather have the ball than, than give it away, you know? Mm. Well, do you have a big countdown timer on your wall saying for how long it'll take for him to get qualified for Scotland? <laughs> well, yeah, it would be great. Um, uh, it would be great because I know that a lot of the Glasgow fans have got cut countdown clocks on their walls for some of their players. But um, uh, at the moment, um, they're both uh, both uh, Buffelli and Moyano are still active with the uh, with uh, Argentina. So um, I don't think we'll um, I don't think we'll see them for a little you know a good t- uh-huh. a good amount of time. Oh well, good problem to have, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So the pace in this one really surprised me at the start. Um, just the frenetic pace both sides were seemed to seem to play uh, play at. It seemed like Super Rugby North for a little while before Edinburgh sort of took control. Yeah, um, we, you see, the thing is, it's it's this is a if you if you talk to any Edinburgh fan or any Scottish rugby fan and you talk about Edinburgh. We went through a period of abs- just being absolutely poor, um, and and then when Cockrell came along, he, he he turned the club upside down, gave it a shake to see what comes out of everyone's pockets, and got it got it all sorted out. Um, put a nice uh, you know put a nice foundation off this strong forward pack who produce an amazing amount of ball, whether it's from line out, whether it's from 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 scrum. All the set piece work is great. But unfortunately, because it's 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 Cockrell's way or the highway. He, he wasn't getting the best out of the ba- out, of, mm. out of our backs, and Mike Blair's come in and he's just all he's done really is he's from what I can see and I'm I'm, I'm speaking I'm speaking it you know in my opinion rather than, than knowing for sure, but he's he's using that forward pack to produce ball. We're getting the ball move you know moved quickly into the hands of these amazing backs that are really happy to move the ball, happy to ship it. Um, you know, and with, with, to give you an idea, to, to give you mm. sort of my my take on it, if you look at Chris Dean, for example, Chris Dean has been with the club for a long time. Chris Dean was always, I got incredibly frustrated with Chris Dean because he always used to take it into contact, mm. always would take it. You know, he's a centre, um, always would take it into contact, wouldn't distribute it every time you'd see him to go in. And he would get turned over, or he'd knock the ball on, or or he would return the ball to the play, to to the backs. What we saw last night from him was he's now happy to take the contact, but he's always looking to offload it now. Mm. And he put some passes in yet yesterday that were absolutely sweet as a nut, um, and phenomenal passes from a from a, a an inside centre that just um, I I didn't rate for a long time, and I, I, it's really opened my eyes. You think this is the coaching change that has allowed him to blossom a little bit? Absolutely, absolutely. He's being they're being allowed, they're being told, yeah, you can play the ball, you can put those passes in. If you see the space, play it. You know. Well, Edinburgh had all, found themselves at the very top of the league table, uh, and then there was was it a couple of weeks in a row when there's the sort of makeup matches. I spent some time complaining about that, how you know no Italian teams had to had to be playing at the time, no Welsh teams had to be playing, but suddenly. You know, Glasgow and Edinburgh, both with really records on the line, had to uh, were forced to play these matches reduced by the Six Nations' absences, yeah. uh, which really impacted the the league, but or the, the the table. But then Edinburgh come back with a performance like this. Um, you know, is this indicative of where Edinburgh is going, uh, or is it just that Connacht kind of said after the half, you know what, forget it. 
I, I was shocked that they didn't score a single point after that first eight they put up and that, you know, so they, they were done after like 23 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was quite surprising. It was almost, um, I think John Barkley said in comms that it was almost a point a minute over yeah. the, over, over the, from, from the point that they stopped scoring. Um, I think it was a mixture of two things. I think Glasgow, Glasgow, my goodness, I've got that in my mind. <laughs> um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Glasgow in a minute, but uh, no, um, there's, there's talk of, um, Connaught were poor in defence. They really were. Um, they, but they also didn't hold on to the ball. And, and, and as we've just talked about Edinburgh looking to have the ball. And, and if you give the, the ball to Edinburgh, they are going to look to, 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 to run it back at you. Um, we also are very, very lucky. We, We've brought through these young players um, that are quite quite something at this moment in time because we used to have young players coming through with Edinburgh, but the, A, they wouldn't get game time, or if they did get game time, it was usually away to Munster uh, on a dark uh, a dark November <laughs> night. And it was always, you know, I remember Cockrell coming back and saying, oh, oh yeah, we... Uh, we took a young team down to Munster, and no, no wonder they got absolutely hammered. And 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 it's it's this it's this change of um, Mike Blair saying, "No, no, I, on you go." And he was talking about on comms um, uh, the other night about how these players have played together for the last three matches, so they've got used to playing together. Yeah, fair. Um, and uh, and so you know you've got you know standouts like uh, Muncaster and Connor, you know Ben Muncaster and Connor Boyle on the back row. Who just look absolutely deadly yeah. uh, in contact. They really do. Um, and then, for example, um, uh, I think it was um, the, the lad Brown, Rudy Brown, who came off the came yep. off the bench at eighteen years old. Yeah. Um, and they were they were laughing because he's he's got a full face of beard, and they're like, "My goodness, this lad! Where are Edinburgh getting these <laughs> these pre-produced um, big lads from?" And he was he's an absolute monster. Well, as, um, as, as Indiana Jones famously said, "It's not the years; it's the mileage." Absolutely. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask? So, so you we were talking earlier about there's been some Twitter back and forth about both the, the Scottish teams from this weekend. Um, so one of the threads that we were looking at, uh, a fellow by the username of Naxus said, quote, hard not to be quietly content the way Embra are playing. By the way, I really like Embra. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he went on, that try they scored off the left wing when the pass hit the runner, not even yet in the camera shot, was sublime. And then he says, they're playing rugby no one else in the URC are close to, including Leinster. That is a pretty bold statement. Do you, do you agree with that? That is a bold statement. And funnily enough, um, our, our colleague on the Scottish uh, Rugby podcast, Johnny McGinty, uh, who's been on your been on your pod as well, um, was messaging me to, today saying, are you really going to let that go? Because that, that's, a, that's a statement and a half. Yeah. Uh, um, it really is. And I, I think, it, again, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Half of, half of me is saying, look, we as Edinburgh fans are absolutely bowled over with what's going on just now. And so you've got to allow us a little bit of a, um, what's the word? Um, you've got to allow us a little bit of bravado and a little bit of, oh my goodness, look at this, this is phenomenal. Because sure. we've had it we've had it fairly bad for the last uh, a fair few years. You know, Edinburgh, Edinburgh in eighth place has been, has been, has been our, you know, part of the name of the rugby club for, for quite some time. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, for, for us, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see. Also, what I would say is that they are playing, and, and, and if, you, if, if you look at 
Premiership, if you look at um, uh, URC, you look at some of the international um, games that are being played, a lot of the time we're now starting to see that we're playing in a defensive role nowadays. Hmm. Defence wins everything. Um, kick the ball away, especially England. Eddie Jones is very, very into this. Kick the ball away yeah. and say, come on, bring it at us and let's turn the ball over, get a penalty. Um, and 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 then we'll then we'll move from there and get set piece it, again. It seems like all the top teams in the prem pretty much have bought into that. That seems to be the the universal style right now. Yeah, very much so. And and I think Mike Blair has has kind of gone well. That you know, let's get a good defence set, um, and let's have a you know, for example, Edinburgh have got have significantly changed their defence this this year. Um, so they have a they have a confidence in defence, but especially their scramble defence, but. They're not kicking the ball away too much. They're not wanting to play tennis with the fullbacks backwards and forwards. What mm. they want is they want the ball because what they have is they've got these strike runners. And that that comment about, um, I think we mentioned it before, Christine put that pass out to, to uh, Immelman. And Immelman was just at full full pace when he took the ball and it just landed straight in his hands it was it was almost like the it reminded me of the Hugh Jones uh, the Finn Russell to Hugh Jones pass and oh yeah up. you know it was a similar style of pass and and so you know we're really Edinburgh are incredibly confident in their attack at the moment and that's uh that's a real plus point so do you agree that I hear this all the time Defense is, is 90% attitude and, you know, only 10% sort of tactics and, you know, structures and stuff like that. Do you, do you think that's true or is that an exaggeration? No, I think there's some truth to it. Um, defense, you, you look at, for example, uh, France, they bring in someone who is who makes you want to defend for him mm. and, and Sean Edwards. Um, he... he that everyone who reports back, whether it's whether it's a, a member of the Welsh team that used to deal with them, or now one of the French team, they are saying, you know, if we miss a tackle, we know he's taking it personally, um, and so it's an attitude rather than because defence is defence. You know, you've you've got very simple ways of of of, of setting a defence up, and the, and and you can make a difference just by getting up on your feet into place, and then. A, uh, doing, for example, a blitz defence, you can push, put the pressure on the ten, put the pressure on, on on the nine to make mistakes when they pass the ball, so that they end they end up then kicking the ball to you because they don't they have got no way of getting the ball right, right. to you, um, and so you're then given the ball and you go right okay that's us we're all set to go so I think it is very much a um, an attitude and we we laugh sorry to go on a little bit here no but, no. Um, the under-18 team that I uh, I coach at the moment, um, at the weekend, funnily enough, on Saturday, they did a very similar thing. They were, at the first half, they were very, they were a bit slow, they were a bit kind of sleepy, um, and they were a bit kind of just, their attitude just, what not their attitude, but they're just their head weren't in the game. Then the team that they were playing against started a few, uh, having a few words with them and started laughing at them a little bit. Ah. Their attitude changed. And all of a sudden, your defence is incredibly strong. So I, I, there's a really long answer for a short answer. Yes, I think it's an attitude issue. Rather, so you know. if you were in charge of a club and you were about to bring in a, a new defensive coach and you had two options, you had one person who isn't really much for tactics, but is a great just motivator, just a, somebody who inspires other people. And then you have somebody else who's a genius tactician. Are you going to go for the motivational guy every time? Oh, that's a great question. Um, for me, I think I would probably, yes, because mm. 
because don't get me wrong, uh, you know, Sean Edwards, for example, the one, the, the person I've used as an example. Yeah, he's a perfect example. He's he's a he's a very good tactician because he's because he's gone through rugby league, um, and defence is is a, a large large part of rugby league, but on the other side of things, um, it's a fail. As I said before, it's defence is defence. You know, it, it's about motivating the the players to to make it matter. For example, go back to um, France v Scotland. Mm. Do we have to? Yeah, okay, okay. I, just to highlight something. I don't like talking about it, but just to highlight something. But Chris Harris goes off, off for an HIA at halftime. Our defence falls apart. Mm. And everybody says that um, Chris Harris is a defensive leader. He's always talking to everybody. He's always making people making sure people in the, are in the right places. He's always constantly on the go. Everyone looks to him to lead the defence. And so it's not, it's, that's not a tactical thing. That's a person thing. You're looking to that one person to lead that defence, and mm. I think that's that's. I'd probably say you're probably sixty percent attitude, and and then another forty percent actual putting defence yeah. in there. This uh, I was watching uh, the Harlequins play this weekend, and Andre Esterhausen, his defence. Uh, I mean, I, I've been saying Chris Harris is probably the best defensive player in Europe for several weeks now. I I wonder if Andre Esterhausen has listened to me and gotten really annoyed or something because <laughs> the, the shift he puts in and they 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 highlighted it. Ugo Manya uh, highlighted it beautifully where he made just a, a crippling tackle on somebody. One of those tackles where you almost want to take a second and gloat and stand there and like give it a little, ah, but it never even occurred to him. He's the first guy up. He's up before the guy he just tackled and he's all the way around back in position in midfield and makes the very next tackle. And yeah. they were saying his coach has to be twice as happy about tackle number two as he was about tackle number one. Very much so. Very much so. And, and again, it's, it's attitude because obviously, you know, it, well, you've made a really good point here or you've brought in a really good example because Harlequin's, are off the school, especially when they won the premiership. Was it last year? The year yep, before? Last year. Um, last year. Um, they defense was optional with them. Mm. Uh, they what their their way of winning a match was to score more tries than you. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you score five tries, they need to score six. And and I think God, that's a sorry. That was a really simple simple thing. That I, I just <laughs> no no I no no. I know what you mean. They, you know, they were I, they were about the scoring, I, not the stopping the scoring. Yeah, that didn't need explaining there. Yeah. Um. So uh. So. You know what they're now. You know that you can see it now developing. Esterhausen, um, some of their forwards, um, some of their forward uh, players are really putting in good defence as well now, and and so you're actually now they're starting to polish off the, the you know or take off the edges of just an attack only mm -hmm. team. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to look at. So I was wondering if you had any other thoughts about the the Edinburgh game. Um, it was such a huge score difference and it was so lopsided in the, the second half. Oh, I did want to know, um, Dave Cherry made his hundredth appearance for Edinburgh. Um, you must be a fan of his. He got himself a try too. Do you have anything to add to us uh, about Dave Cherry? Yeah. Um, I, well, the first thing, it was his 50th. Um, 50th? Uh, 50th, oh. yeah. Um, I, well, I only missed that by a little bit, right? My, yeah. You, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing, but, uh, you know, you've done, you know, it's, uh, well, I'm, I'm just double checking now you've got me thinking about it now as well. Um, but, I thought uh, that seemed too high. I don't know where, um, I guess I was yeah, he's, it's, uh, yeah, he's, he's um, Dave Cherry is one of those players where 
you know, he, he, he got a couple of um, Scotland caps um, and he's, he's done a good job, but he's he's always there for Scott, for, for Edinburgh. And he's, you know, he scored a try on the weekend from a nice, uh, a nicely worked um, driving mall. Yep. Um, and he's, a, you know, we, we have a little bit of a joke saying he's a housewife's favourite because my, my wife is a, a big fan of his. Um, but, uh, you know, and then she says, but I'm not a housewife, so don't you dare start using that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but he's, um, you know, he's a strong club player. He's, he's, he's an Edinburgh guy. You know, we, uh, we're, we're very lucky to have him. And then you've got, for example, McBurnley, who came on after him. Um, uh, for the rest of the the game, who we've not seen very much of, an ex Ulster player, um, and and he's come on, he's he came on and and, and slotted straight in, mm. um, and there was no there was no change of service, which was 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 absolutely fantastic. But Dave Cherry, great arrows, nicely nice job done, um, great in that you know I think he forced a couple of the players into touch at one point. Great defence, um, he's playing a great game. The uh, oh darn, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. The um, you've mentioned some of the new guys that you've sort of discovered this year, and how in the last few weeks this group has gotten a chance to get to know each other. Uh, and obviously, Edinburgh's just doing really well. I was somebody who was really worried about losing Duhan this, you know, in this offseason. Mm. I thought that was a bad move for him and a really bad move for Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about that now compared to when you first heard about that? It seems like you have, might not have really missed a beat. Yeah, um, we uh, two things with Duhan. Um, we were gutted to see him go. Yeah. Um, we really were. Um, but on the other side of things, um, Mike Blair has, has, has brought in good players that have filled the void. Um, the other side of things with Duhan is that, and, and, you were you were on our podcast the other night, and we discussed it that we're we're actually finding that Duhan's kind of caught out now. People have people understand mm. what he's going to do, so they're marking him up with two or three players at a time. Whenever the ball goes to him, they're they're, they're, they're trying to catch him out. Although he's having a storming, uh, he's having a storming uh, season with the Worcester Warriors up until yesterday, um, where he's been sent off and uh, had a red card and it, it looks like there's a chance he might not play for Scotland on the weekend. Um, so, um, you know, he's been doing very, very well. And, and as I say, we, we were very, we were gutted to lose him along with Rory Sutherland. But I think, as I say, um, Edinburgh and the, and the high up ones have, have um, recruited very well so that we don't miss him too much. Yeah. It's a good point too. I do. I feel like he's always. Anytime the ball touches his hands, he's immediately triple teamed, and the, the guy's strong, but nobody's that strong, really. Yeah, very much so. Although, what 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 I like about him is that he gets involved. He doesn't stand on the wing, hands in his pockets because he's cold, waiting on, <laughs> waiting on the ball. You know, he's always he's all always, he's all over the place. He'll pop up at twelve. He'll pop up at thirteen, just to just to get the ball. He's hungry for the ball. Who's somebody else on the Edinburgh team right now that you you know you're particularly a fan of? So somebody who, if you're me and you're not there every day um, seeing them in person, that somebody I might not notice as being particularly important for the success of the squad. Um, Bowen Venter, okay. um, Lucid Prop, um, looks like a, just another big South African piece of meat coming in just to 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 um, to, to hold a scrum up. But actually, when you watch him, he is, you know, incredibly powerful in contact. Um, incredibly, uh, he's got a great turn of pace. Um, if you if you see him 
popping up in, in space and he gets the ball in his hand, he's, he's, he's ready and willing to just run uh, and, to, and, and make someone say, you know, rather than look around and think, where am I going to pass this ball to? It's like, right, well, catch me and bring me down. <laughs> um, a great a great scrummage technician as well, incredibly strong. And, and so, for example, when we're, because we're going to lose um, uh, the greatest showman, um, uh, uh, Pierre Schumann, uh, to Scotland, um, they, they brought him in and there is no discernible difference in huh. scrimmage uh, with him. So he's he's one to to really look for. Um, and can I, can I put a back in there as well? Oh, definitely. Um, uh, ben Velicott has been an absolute revelation. Yeah. Um, he, you know, when we've had, we've had um, a real struggle for scrum halves and and uh, you know as well as I do. You know me when I when I talk about um, Henry Purgos and 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 what's been going on with Henry Purgos and how slow he is at times and mm. different things. Um, ben Velicott has really made a huge difference to the team uh, coming aboard. He speeded it up and he plays exactly to Mike Blair's type of template of of gameplay. It's it's funny. This might be incredibly obvious to somebody, especially so somebody like you who does coaching. But this weekend, uh, something I was just observing. When you're looking at a, a good scrum half at this level versus a great scrum half at this level, it's like the, you know, Richie Mwanga, he doesn't, when he's taking the ball, he's not looking around to see where it's going to go. He knows where it's going to go. And his eyes are only there to sort of make sure at the very last second that that, that person's going to be where he's supposed to be. Whereas you see somebody else, especially when you get to sort of a, a backup number nine, where they take the ball out and then they look and they're like, okay, anybody over there? Nope. Okay, anybody over here? And that just makes all the difference. That's that split second, that little bit of time right there, makes all the difference in how effective your attack can be. Very much so. Rock, uh, rock speed is king. Um, and but and, and fully enough, we've been we've been dealing with this uh, with with the team of coach um, uh, because you, you have to have three things come into place to to guarantee that rock speed. Um, you have to have a the ball carrier has to present the ball correctly and mm. and 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 get the ball back as quick as they possibly can. Second of all, your 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 bullet or your or your 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 um your your rock defense go in over the top and make sure that they're not stopping the ball. They're not holding the ball behind a foot or the they're, they're not you know they're not holding a a person down that's that's got the, that that stops the ball being presented properly. And the third thing is the scrum half is coming in. As they come in, they're not because that ball is presented well and it's ready for them. They can, they can, they'll have an idea where that that ball is going um, immediately. So when they get to the ball, all they're doing is picking it up and passing it. Mm. Um, and and whether whether people um, to to what that does is it allows you to you know, and Edinburgh are very good at it great set piece so they've got big forwards who suck in players mm. who drag them in because you, you you just you just you know they hold you they they grab your leg they they pull you into this ruck so that you're creating the space outside and if you get that quick ball away then you can get you can break through and Blair Kinghorn can then take that space uh, and, and burst through pass it on to a center and get a try you know so it was a huge an impressive result for Edinburgh. And then, of course, the next day, things kind of went the opposite for Glasgow. Uh, not nearly as bad, the final score, but in many ways, a, a mirror image where Glasgow scored the, fir uh, the first two chances. They got themselves up instead of eight. They, they did get the conversion, so it was 10. 
nothing. And that again, that was at the 20 minute mark and they had no points in them after that. Um, John has talked about how he, he feels like the, the, the players at Glasgow might have lost confidence in the coaching staff. Do you think it's something like that? Is there something else going on? Was it just an off night? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to I'd like to be charitable and say that it was an off night because if you if you look at it um, for the for the last sixty minutes nothing went right for Glasgow yeah you know offloads didn't go to hand they dropped ball they got they they knocked it on in contact they nothing went wrong they got a try disallowed as well um, so it 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 was diff- it was a really difficult night but. They've capitulated like this before against a team that you'd expect them to beat, mm-hmm. and this is this is the big problem. When that, that's what know, was most worrying to me. This was uh, on paper. This is an easy win, and yeah. you know, it didn't even seem like a tr- potential trap game. It was just like a take care of business, guys. Absolutely, John Anderson. We were talking talking before the game, and he and and, and he said, you know, we should go down there, and we should. We're, I mean, he's he's very confident about about the win. Um, and unfortunately, it went the other way. And I think I think there has there's going to be three there's going to be three points or there's going to be three fingers pointed. There's it's either the coach, the players, or the or the setup within Glasgow. Hmm. What do you mean? What do you mean by the setup? The setup. They they're bringing they bring a lot of players in that are incredibly talented. And don't use them. Hmm. Um, you know, they don't, been, they don't design game plans based on their strengths or yeah, or even they don't put them on the pitch. Hmm. There's a mixture of two things. You know, for example, we, they brought in Cole Forbes. Everyone, all all of the Glasgow faithful were 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 absolutely um uh in love with this guy. This guy's gonna be the next thing. He's, they've brought him in from uh, from from uh, Southern Hemisphere. He's going to be a phenomenal. He's, he, he, he could be Scots qualified. This is the guy, and he hasn't. He's he's had maybe three or four games, and then not been used very very often. Hmm. Same with uh, you know you've got um, now I've forgotten the guy's name, but the uh, the ten that they brought in the Ar- the Argentinian ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, you know now there's a, there's a, an Argentinian international ten. Who's being? Who's not being picked before um, uh, Donkey Weir? Yeah, and Donkey Donkey Weir is on his way out of the game. Minotti, is that it? Minotti, yeah, that's it. That's it. You're right. Um, then you've got, and my biggest bugbear, you've got George Horn sitting on the bench. George Horn at scrum half is one of um, the fieriest, quick ruck speed nines that you have within the game, and especially in Scotland, but in, in the UK. He re-signed for Glasgow on a, on a couple of year contract. And I think they expected Ali Price not to sign for Glasgow because he'd be, he was just going out to the Lions mm. and he was going to, they thought, you know, he's going to end up going to France or he's going to go to the Premiership. And then they re-signed him. And George Horn is sitting on the bench twiddling his thumbs um, and getting 10 minutes here, five minutes, 15 minutes. And there's a there's an absolute talent wasted sitting on the bench. He should be starting for a team on a regular basis. And I even like Duncan Weir a lot, but you know, even I know he's definitely on the tail end. Not you know, he's not on the ascendancy. You're not going to get anything really new out of him. So it does seem like a real head scratcher. Well, you know, I, I have to be careful because Duncan Weir got 
Edinburgh uh, about three or four seasons ago. Dunkey Weir got Edinburgh out of some really big scrapes. Mm. Um, you know, we beat Ulster at home one 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 game with a final kick of the ball, a penalty that he scored. Um, he has done. He's been very. He's been a great servant for Glasgow and Edinburgh. The problem you have is you've got Ross Thompson, who um, John will tell you, and Johnny, and and a lot of um, uh, Scottish fans will tell you is the next. The next guy along the the next guy off the rank, you know, you've got you've got um, Finn Russell, you've got Adam Hastings, and you have Ross Thompson, and that's how they think it should be. This is a young man who's who looks incredibly talented and, and could do a great job. He was on the bench last night, and Dunkey Weir started. Why why would you do that if this is the next guy off the rank um, yeah. for Scotland? You know. Um, so yeah, I, I find it very difficult. You know, Josh Mackay has been brought in. Jack Dempsey has been brought in. They brought a lot of these these wonderfully talented players. And I think you know, although Dempsey got taken off um, at, at sixty minutes, somebody said that there was there's a rumor going around at the moment, just a rumor that they were that he wasn't very well. So I understand why they take it, they've taken him off. But he's a he's he should be on as long as he possibly can because he's a very very good player. So I. I think there's something wrong. Um, John Anderson will tell you it's, it's Danny Wilson and they need a new coach. Um, I'm just... Uh, I mean, th- those do sound like coaching decisions. If the biggest problem is you've got your best cars rusting in the garage, <clears throat> you know, somebody decided that. Yeah, very much so. And, 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 you know, a lot of people were satisfied with Kenny Murray, their defence coach, you know, moving on and going to uh, Scotland under-20s. Um, he was moved away from Glasgow and into, into um, a Scotland under-20s work, etc. So everyone was kind of half satisfied with him. When you say he was moved, does the the SRFU have the power to reach into clubs and make decisions like that? Well, um, because the because um, the SRU are um, own Glasgow and they own they own Edinburgh, um, they they are paying the wages of these huh. uh, of all. It never the occurred to me that they can make coaching decisions, though. That seems weird. I think I think Kenny Murray was moved moved sideways. I think he was made a scapegoat. I think hmm. it was time. I think it it was his time because, it, to be brutally honest, he's a defence coach. And if you watch any of the Scottish under twenty games, um, the the defence is quite shocking. So hopefully he's going to come in and hopefully that you know he's going to come in and try and sort that out. Hmm. Um, but um, they, the, you know, he got. Instead of being fired and, and left, you know, let go, he has been given an opportunity to move into another job within the SRU, and I think, um, I th- and and he's a he's a he's a promising coach. Maybe he just wasn't the right fit at Glasgow with Danny Wilson, so he's been moved, and so everyone kind of went right. Well, that's been the problem. Let's move, and then they capitulate like they did on the weekend. Um, Interesting. And the the pressure now goes back onto Danny Wilson. Huh. So, I mean, if you had the power to make a change at Glasgow to try to turn things around, would it instantly be, let's change the coaching? Yeah, yeah. I've got a coach in mind. Um, and uh, um, we've just been talking about his brother, um, uh, George Horn's brother, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly intelligent oh, player. Oh, of course, of course. Played at 12 uh, and 10 for Glasgow and 12 and 10 for Scotland. But um, he is currently coaching... Um, he's the lead coach for the Ayrshire Bulls in the Super Six. Right. Uh, he's just retired from playing. Yeah, um, he, he just took on that role, I think. Right. Just a couple yeah, he months has. Ago. He has. Um, and I think it's a bit early for him, but mm. 
I think the I think that something's got to change, and I think he would be he's he's well he's he's well received. He's well known to be you know he, he got he got players player um, of the year several times over when he played for Glasgow. He's well known within the Glasgow team as as uh, well liked, um, mm-hmm. and I think he and when it comes to intelligence, he's an intelligent rugby player, um, and. Uh, you know, I, I really think if if because there's no one out there. If you look at if you look at who's out there on the market at the moment, there's nobody that the SRU could probably bring in right now that, that that's going to make any difference. Um, but I think Pete Horn could really, you know, um, whether they keep Danny Wilson on for for another season and put Pete Horn in, in under him, um, or they bring Pete Horn in straight away. I, th- I think he would do a very, very good job for Glasgow. And I would fear him as an Edinburgh supporter. Is it a, a concerted effort by the SRU to sort of keep coaching from inside the sort of overall Scottish community? Um, I'm just wondering if every now and then reaching outside the usual circle might make more of a shakeup. Uh, my, my Free Jacks got a new coach this year who we plucked out of the Curry Cup, and I, it's made a big difference in attitude and technique and everything else. And I think it's worked out great. Um, is the SRU sort of committed to the, you know, we grow these people and we want them to keep coming back and assuming these next roles? No, they, they're not really. Um, they've, they've, you know, Scott Johnson, who used to deal with all of that side of things, um, a terrible coach in, in my eyes for, for, for years, um, but he was the high performance director at, 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 um, in the SRU and he brought in Dave Rennie into Glasgow. Mm. Um, he brought in, uh, again, Danny Wilson came from Wales um, and came into the Scottish setup as an assistant coach. And then again, he was, some people say he was moved sideways to Glasgow Warriors um, as, as lead coach, but in his eyes, he was he, he wanted the job and he got the chance of the job. So they have gone outside and brought them in. What, but as uh, Gregor Townsend has shown, um, and again, Sean Lenin, if you ever remember Sean Lenin, who used to be a Scotland international, who has been f- very big within the SRU in, in the under 20s, under six, under 18s um, set up. He has sculpted Scotland's um, playing style going forward. We call it the Scottish blueprint. And he sculpted that for, for 15, 20 years. And he's, mm. he's done a fantastic job. And they're all within Scotland. Um, they're all they're all coaches that have come from a you know from the from a, within the SRU structure. Um, so yeah, it, that's it's it's a difficult thing to answer because yeah they've brought in some you know Jim Malander has come from who used to be Northampton Saints um, and then went to England as their youth as their mm. youth um, lead coach and then they brought him in uh, as as the performance director for the SRU. So they're not. They are happy to bring people in and pay good money to people to give them a great job uh, and to do a good job for them. But then they, they, it's always good to have the right person coming through the Scottish system. So if I look up the next level at the, at the national team and you've got Gregor Townsend, on the outside, it seemed like when he first started, people were pretty resistant to him. They didn't necessarily want to buy into him right away. I think um, they started, opinions started to change for the better. And then the win away at Twickenham last year, I feel like that put a ton of capital in the bank for him. And, and Spans kind of went, okay, you've got us for a while now. And then we opened this Six Nations with a, another win over England two in a row for the first time in God knows how long. 
how are you feeling about him now though? Cause it's been two losses on the bounce since then. Um, you know, do you think he's still the right guy from the job? How much of a, a leash do you give him? I, he's got a fair bit of credit in the bank. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think all of the problems can be put at his door. Right. Um, I think, you know, for example, um, things were always moving forward for him up until maybe two years ago when he lost Mike Blair. Mm. Um, and things have dulled back again. You know, okay, we're getting our, you know, we, we, we've we always been known as a, as a nation who, as long as we beat England, we're happy. <laughs> um, um, but that, but as I, I've said before in our podcast, um, this year we needed to perform it. I'm fed up of hearing, well, this is Scotland's year and Scotland have got the talent there now and we're moving forward. This was the year that we needed to perform and unfortunately we haven't. The Wales game is, is you know, the France game I can, I can forgive because... France are top two in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're phenomenal. Um, we talked about it last week. You know, they are a phenomenal looking team. But the Wales game, we we absolutely blew it. Um, yeah, know. I was going to say, like looking back on those couple of weeks, uh, usually it's the blowout that hurts because you just get your butt whooped. But no, the France game never felt winnable. And the Wales game felt winnable right up till the end, and we just couldn't do it. Um, and that one's sticking in my craw a lot more, I think, than last week. Yeah, and, and it's and again, it's personnel. You know, I, I think it's 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 um, you know certain players within the team um, haven't performed to to their expectations, and they've maybe either started to believe their own hype, or they've or they've uh, this, or they've um, felt far more comfortable and haven't been challenged by anyone coming through the ranks, um, and so they 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 play in a more relaxed fashion, and then all of a sudden they're under the pump from someone else, uh, from another team, and then things start to go wrong. They try to overplay, and then all of a sudden they're nowhere um, and I think we we've suffered from that this season it's almost been like we've we're riding the crest of the wave and all of a sudden we've dropped off the edge of it because mm. we've you know we've, we've believed that we can ride that wave forever um, so yeah it's an interesting one I think I think definitely Mike Blair moving away from assistant coach with Scotland has had its effect um, and you know uh, we'll have to wait and see what the new um, the new attack coach um, I don't think he's settled in enough to, to make a huge difference yet. How have you felt about uh, Pierre Schumann and his performances for Scotland so far? He, he sort of, they, they brought him in a little bit at a time and now he's got the starting role. Do you think that's where he stays? Um, yes, um, at this moment in time. Um, I think uh, th- there's no one there's no one right now that can replace him. Um, Ollie Kebble was really the only person that I thought, you know, obviously... Obviously, it was it, it was um, him or Rory Sutherland, um, but with Rory Sutherland being injured now, um, it, the pressure is on Pierre Schumann. Some people have said, you know, he looks out of place and, and uh, uh, he looks like he, he doesn't he's not understanding the game while he's playing it huh. at international level when he's when he's in not in the scrums or not in the set piece, but when he's in open play. But that's just because he's. This is his first season of international rugby, and he's mm-hmm. got to get used to all of that because the game moves at a far, far, far faster pace. But his scrummaging, his, 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 um, 
his contact work, etc. You know, he's dropped his penalty counts as well. I was so just going to say, really my, my problem with him used to be that he just gave gave away penalties at the worst possible moments, and now he barely ever seen him do that. Probably yeah, shouldn't yeah. probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> jinxing that completely now. But uh, no, I, I, but then I'm you know I, I'm a ever since I met him when he, when he you know I watched his first game against Bath. It was a warm up down at um, down at Borough Muir's ground at Megatland and. Saw this guy come out with his long, flowing blonde locks, and uh, and he was just unbelievable. Just to see it, you know, in contact, and people were f- falling off him. You know, yeah. it was it was really. <laughs> he looked, he looked. You know, I just thought this guy's going to be great for Edinburgh. And, and so, do, do you share my fear and the fear of many fans that if his thighs get any bigger, it'll start to impact tides? <laughs> Well, I don't think you know. I, I I don't know how he manages to keep keep things cool because they must rub like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Get that man some corduroys. Absolutely, yeah, that's for sure. Sep- that's separate for little sure. power plant. <laughs> <laughs> well, Craig, this has been so much fun, and thank you for taking all this time when you're clearly under the weather. I hope that you the, have the speediest of recoveries and never have to deal with this again. Thank you very much. It's been a, it's been great to come on. I've, uh, I'm an avid listener, so uh, I really appreciate um, the uh, the invitation to come on. Well, anytime, and uh, we'll check in again soon. Uh, it's funny. I, I find myself just not looking forward to the rest of the Six Nations. I was going to say maybe a, a wrap up, but I'm I'm just feeling so meh about the whole thing right now. I, I I'm I'm actually a little bit more positive. Um, Blair Kinghorn has had a phenomenal game on the weekend, and. Um, and uh, as everyone knows that listens to our podcast, I am a huge Blair Kinghorn fan. So mm-hmm. hope, I'm, I'm a bit. I'm hoping that he's going to get um, some serious game time on the weekend, and uh, he's going to give us um, a, a performance to maybe try and silence a few of his critics. Are we going to see Cam Redpath again, or is he going to kind of fade into trivia obscurity with that one magical day? We'll see him again. Um, that's. <sighs> I'm almost, I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say it. I actually think that's what we're missing. We're missing a mm. playing, t- we're, we're missing a playing t- uh, 12. Um, we've, uh, um, uh, Tua Pilotu and Sam Johnson are very much crash ball players. Um, I was going to say, Anderson it, argues with me or not, but. Redpath is a better distributor for you. Absolutely. And, and if you think about us at our attacking best, especially Finn Russell, um, Finn Russell Russell was at his attacking best when he had Pete Horn outside him at 12 and Pete Horn was a, was a second distributor he wasn't, you know, he would attack the line well but, um, but you know, he's a second distributor so I think we need to get the ball in, in Darcy and Duhan's hands um, and Holly's hands a little I think that come with a second distributor So very last thing and I'll let you go uh, give me your MVP for Edinburgh this year um wow that's a great question um because i've got several that will probably jump to i'm going to say buffelli yeah it's kind of got to be yeah yeah to to give us a a, a, um, a metronomic kicker that he is but has the ability to strike run and also be there when we don't when we have internationals away um, if you yeah. think about it, you know, Mike Blair quoted last night on the TV that, um, or sorry, on, on Friday night on the TV, that Edinburgh um, have 14 forwards either injured or away to Scotland. Oh, wow. Currently. Wow. Um, 
and we also have backs away at Scotland. Luckily, we had Blair Kinghorn come back, um, uh, get to come back because he lives along the road and it's easy enough to come out of camp and uh, and come and play. And I think, um, you know, to have someone who's there when we have got these games, especially, you know, we've got the 1872 coming up with no internationals playing because they're, they're going to be in camp, you know, to have these other players, I think, is the, is, is, the, is the top of the tree for that. Well, again, Craig, it has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. And go take a rest, drink some water, have some tea, take care of yourself. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. I will talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you again. Take care. Okay, to sort of pick up from there, of course, we did mention Ulster versus Cardiff. It was, you know, an almost identical ass-kicking. In this case, a quadruple up, 48 to 12. Didn't feel much need to take many notes apart from my remarks earlier with uh, with Craig and also, of course, my notes about Josh Navidi. That was so nice to see. On Saturday, it was Benetton at home for Leinster. You know, tuning into this one, it felt like rubbernecking a little bit. So I just kind of, you know, advanced like chunk style through the video and just sort of watched like, like a time lapse. Just watched the Leinster score grow and grow and grow and grow. You know, I've talked plenty here about how people underestimate Benetton, but to be fair, I've also made it clear that nobody is in Leinster's class. You know, this one was whatever the step above inevitable was with the visitors looking even more comfortable away. 17 to 61 was the final. Oh, but no, was that the beatdown of the weekend? No, no. Then we had Munster and home for Dragons. Sam Davies, by the way, a player I absolutely love and who I've been asking for years now, why why can't he at least get a sniff at the Wales camp? He was once again trying to do it all for his team, but no one person can pull dragons out of the, the cloying quagmire of mediocrity they find themselves in this year. The halftime score looked like a full-time score, 28-3, to with an early bonus point to Munster. Hard to imagine taking many more notes after that. Meet the new half, same as the old half. It was 50-3 to with just about nine minutes left. Just a complete blowout, you know. Just to prove my point, Munster scored two more tries in short order. It was a full 64-3 to with a couple minutes to go. Ten tries to zero. That, that might be a worse result than my USA Eagles versus the All Blacks. Oh, my word. Just humiliation manifest. I mean, even my Eagles, like, scored tries in defense. Like, Dragons, dragons are nowhere right now. Where have you been all afternoon? I've been around. Then I came down here to practice my sugar tossing. Because if you don't practice, then you might as well give the clarinet to a kid who will use it. So by the way, if you forget about Connacht, as I'm you know, personally desperately trying to do right now, um, you'll see an amazing trend for the Irish teams. So Ulster, 48 points. Leinster, 61 points. Munster, 64 points. Those three teams together dropped 173 points combined this weekend. I've never... I've never seen anything like it. And that in comparison to 32 combined for their opposition, that is more than quintupling, just mind-boggling at this stage. Scarlets versus Glasgow was next. You know, Craig and I covered it pretty well. Uh, 28 to 10 was the final in this one. Uh, somehow it felt a lot worse than that, but, uh, you know, not a lot more to say about this one. But on Sunday, uh, Ospreys hosting Zebra. Guys, Zebra. They actually had a legit shot in this one. And you know me, I, I'm all about the underdogs. I was all in for the winless Italian side. Ospreys, they saved it till the very, you know, till very late on to put it away. 
major body blow for Zebre. They haven't gotten anywhere near this close all year. 27 to 22 was the final. I hope they find some confidence coming away from this one, thinking, hey, guys, it was close and we were on the road, you know, rather than just feeling completely crushed, sort of like I do right now. And uh, for the Ospreys, you know, was this gritty? Uh, was this not nearly as good as they should be? Uh, I feel like it would be easy to spin it either way, and I'm just not sure where the Welsh sides are going right now. Okay, moving on to the Prem. And on Friday, it was a good one. We had Harlequins at home for Newcastle. <sighs> Quins are, are so good right now. You know, the Falcons have been up and down this year, but they really had a shot in this one at least a little while. Harlequins granted them two concurrent yellow cards. Newcastle just couldn't do a single thing with it. It was 19 to 10 for the home side when the cards were given, and it was 19 to 10 when they expired, and then it was 24 to 10 within minutes after that. Ugh, you know, and friends, I, I desperately tried to shoe, shoehorn in a Danny Care joke here, but nothing came to me. I'm really sorry, folks. I'll try to do better. Anyway, I know that Leicester are on top, but if I was a betting man, Quinns would be where my money went this year. So consistent, so clinical, so unflappable. I mean, there are a couple teams that can hang with them, but when it's on full bore, give me my Harlequins any day of the week. Ugo very appropriately gives Cadden Murley the player of the match. Definitely a new face for me, and what a performance. You know, if Quinns can bring in a guy I've never heard of and get a performance like that at the wing, I mean, shots fired, Prem. 24 to 10 was where it ended, and and by the way, Andre Esterhausen, he was beyond good. I, he, he's what William Blake would have called sublime. The, the quote he made me think of was, without minute neatness of execution, the sublime cannot exist. Grandeur of ideas is founded on precision of ideas. And yeah, that's Harlequins to a T right now. 24 to 10 might not seem like a scoreline worthy of such a, a lofty line, but I'm telling you, that's where they're at. And for you language nerds out there about to write me about the prepositions placement there, my apologies and please give me a rest. Uh, by the way, the comms at one point described a player as a bumper-sized American, but I honestly couldn't tell who they meant. If you know anything about that, please get in touch. i got to find out. Just to sort of sparsely finish out the prem, on Saturday, Bath were at home for Bristol. Two wins in a row for Bath. 29 to 27 this one very exciting finish in this one it was awesome i gotta say bath fans must be comparatively over the moon right now um as i mentioned before gloucester were at home for northampton i'm saving that one london irish destroyed the worcester warriors it was 43 to 12 it was never close saracens absolutely smacked around league leading leicester tigers the series managed to top you know pop the tigers balloon in multiple ways on the night they produced a powerhouse performance and a convincing win over the current league leaders Oh, I forgot to write the score down, but eh, it doesn't matter. It was a blowout, practically. Anyway, again, on Sunday, we had Exeter versus Sale, and that one's got to be good, and I'm very psyched to see that one soon. Okay, folks, moving on to the MLR, and whew, I'm getting a little excited for this one. Yeah, anyway, on Friday, Seattle, they were at home for NOLA, the gold. They got their first win of the season just by the skin of their teeth. The table for the league just got a little more honest. It was 24 to 25. Literally can't get any closer than that one. Dallas, poor hapless Dallas. At home for Utah. And, you know, Utah, they can be really frightening some days. Although, let's face it, the Jackals, you know, they don't look up to much this year. The Warriors destroyed Dallas utterly. 69 to 22 was the final in that one. Um, Atlanta were at home and got a nice home win against the Thundercats. Going over by a converted try, it was 29-22, the final tally. And then, you know, 
the first Gil Darby of the year, Austin were at home for the reigning champions. Pretty one-sided. Austin continuing to look the, the league leaders that they are. They won this one at home convincingly over the champs, 22 to 9, all told. Okay, folks, and then the big one for me this weekend. Finally, on Sunday, my New England Free Jacks were away in New Jersey visiting Hoboken RFC. Ooh, this one, I admit it, it had me quaking in my boots a bit. You know, the long-term implications were, well, long-term. Uh, <clears throat> the first half wasn't very cleanly executed, but it was super tight. Both teams looked as nervous as I felt watching them. There was just a multitude of mistakes and sort of silly handling errors, lots of back-and-forth penalties on both sides. A New Jersey player lost his cool at one point and just punched Josh, Josh Larson right in the face, but the ref decided there was nothing in it, so there you go. Halftime saw the contest very close, with New Jersey holding a one-point advantage. Oh, nerve-wracking. Side little comedy note, by the way. So right next to the field they're playing, there was sort of a, a big rooftop overlooking the field, and a, a throng of fans had sort of gathered there to watch. So the sideline reporter, she noticed this and thought to point it out, which was cool. She described it as being very similar to the setup around Wrigley Field. Now, for any listeners who don't know, all around Wrigley, there's these tall buildings, and most have these sort of rooftop bars and clubs. So rather than buying tickets inside the park, you can become a member of one of these clubs and watch from up there. So she mentions this, and the guys in the booth say, yep, nowhere but in New York. Well, New Jersey or, or Chicago. Yeah, good stuff, fellas. Good job. Oh, yeah. I also I forgot about that MLR rule. When you score a try right under the sticks, they don't make you kick the conversion, and that's exactly what my main man, Bowden Waka, did right to start the second half, or as they call him on the broadcast constantly, Bodine Waka. Man, oh, man, is he good. Just so great. But, of course, naturally, Hoboken, they answered right back, just an endless back-and-forth sort of match. Not doing my nerves any favors here. Anyway, if I could base my yearly salary on knock-ons and turnovers, I could just retire after this single match. The coaches for both these teams must have been dying a thousand deaths throughout this match. But great little side moment uh, in the broadcast. Well done, guys. Dylan Fawcett's dad was on hand. Hadn't seen his son in person in 28 months. Lovely get to have him there on the sideline for a minute. Great job, broadcasters. You really nailed it that time. Okay, Clearly, I was writing all these little extra notes to try to distract myself from the painfully close match. It was 22 to 24 in our favor with about 11 minutes left. I don't remember feeling this tense since Scotland's trip to Twickenham in Six Nations last year. And then my notes just said, yes! And that was probably close to the end of them. Joe Johnston, a guy I've taken pains to single out here in this space. Oh my God, he's so good. He gets one down to extend our lead. And Bodenwalker easily makes the extras. It was a two-score battle with under 10 minutes to play. Holy crap, I'm dying. And then another, yes, just my guy, the Eagle himself. Great play off the bench wearing number 17. We got a great turnover. The scales have shifted ever so slightly. In case you missed it, I managed to sit down uh, with the man himself recently. If you missed that conversation, I'll link it in the show notes. It was a great chat. Um, anyway, we kicked it back to them. They have a put in with five minutes to play after some frenetic back and forth. New Jersey are again pinned deep with another line out. Somewhat surprisingly, they immediately kick it away, and it's our ball in the final few. Such a gritty performance by my guys. And then, oh, boom. I think the very last thing I wrote down was BW again. My word, Bowden Walker, he breaks away with some magic footwork, gets another try, converts it himself, 
All of a sudden, we're up 16 with only a minute to go. What? A. Relief. No scoring bonus point for Jersey and no losing bonus point either at that point. Just a massive, massive result for my home team. I can't believe the sense of relief I've got right now. Mitch Wilson has had an incredible game up, but yeah, boom. Probably shouldn't have read that thing just now. Uh, New Jersey, they managed to break away one final time. They did secure the important bonus point. Disappointing for that, but you know what? I'll take it any day of the week. 27 to 38 was the final in what the comms called a statement win. And oh yeah, I am so, so happy. What a result. Phil from Jack's Rangers, good on you for making the trip down there to see it in person. Enjoy the victory. It really could have gone either way, but you know, the power of BW, the cohesiveness, the togetherness, the newfound solidarity of our incredible club. It was just on full display. I'm so proud to be a founding member of this incredible organization and a fantastic, amazing performance. We definitely need to clean it up and neaten it up. It was pretty sloppy, guys, but heading into next weekend's home opener, I just I couldn't be happier. Pardon the language, and I'll be sure to change the settings on this particular ep, but that was fucking awesome. Anyway, final notes. Wow, just wow. MLR this year is light years ahead of where it was, even a couple of years ago. So compelling, so interesting. The storylines keep coming. The performances keep coming. What a great league to be a part of. So, after this weekend, Austin, they're still leading the league big time in pretty much everything. They're 5-0. They have 23 league points, which is seven more than the Legion in the West and seven more than Atlanta, who are tops in the East. They've scored 171 points on the year, which is 44 more than San Diego, who have the second most overall. Only one team in the East even has 100, by the way. Shockingly, the reigning champs and the lowly Nola Gold have each scored only 70 points this year, although... Each have only played four games, to be fair. Old Glory and Dallas remain the only winless teams, and DC will be without their starting number eight for several weeks due to suspension. Of course, to me, the result of the weekend was my New England Free Jacks going down to Hoboken where they came out victorious against a loaded, powerful side in rugby untied New York. (laughs) Sorry, I can't help it. Uh, I don't recall any time recently when I was just so horrified leading into a match. You know, honestly, they're an incredibly good side, and... I I was fearful that we weren't just going to lose, but we're going to lose by maybe two or three scores. It, it was a, a frightening evening, and I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. So, New York, I know I keep uh, taking the piss, as they say, but uh, you're incredible, and it was a great, great match. So, so proud of my guys. Um, I can't wait to be there in person next week. It's going to be incredible. Guys, the Free Jacks are for real. 29 to 38 was the result. So, so good. Okay, friends, that brings us to our coveted Diamond in the Ruck Award. And this week, I mean, if I didn't give it to Bowden Waka, well, I would feel like I'm just not a true fan at all. BW, once again, and I almost can just recycle the text from week to week, even the MLR on the whole had to admit you are a best player, apart from being a transcendent player on attack. You are somehow equally hard-nosed on defense. You must be just a coach's dream. You are fifth in conversions fourth in penalty goals despite one fewer game for us than the norm at this stage and you are fourth in total points with 105 an incredible number and please see above comments regarding number of games played mr bowden waka and by the way if you or any of your teammates are listening it's i'm pretty sure it's pronounced bowden right like they keep saying bodine if i'm wrong please let me know i want to stop sounding like an idiot anyway mr b waka a heartfelt 
Congratulations to you, my good friend, for you are, and not for the first time, this week's Diamond in the Ruck. You are simply the best. Enjoy it. Okay, friends, let's get to the previews and then we can get out of here. So next weekend, Six Nations. Okay, weird schedule for this weekend for me. We have Wales at home for France, but on the Friday, for some reason. Then we have Italy. They're back in Rome to face Scotland. And finally, the one I'm actually looking forward to, England facing Ireland at Twickenham. Should be good, just not feeling it at the moment. Not sure why. Anyway, the URC. We have, you know, what appears to be another sort of set of makeup fixtures, I think. We'll have the Sharks versus the Scarlets on Friday. Then we've got Bulls versus Munster. Oh, boy. How many points will Munster score this week? 70? 170? Uh, and Ulster versus versus Leinster on the Saturday. Woo, wow. I expect a lot of points in this weekend. Uh, meanwhile, over in the Prem, we've got four Saturday clashes and two on Sunday. In order as I see them, Worcester Warriors will be at home for Exeter. Leicester will be at home for the uh, for the London Irish. You know the Tigers will be looking to reestablish themselves after this weekend. And then Newcastle versus Saracens, Sale versus Gloucester, Bristol versus Harlequins, and finally Northampton against Wasps. And then back home here in the MLR. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What a weekend for Major League Rugby. What a weekend. The storylines this year, I mean, it's already so great from a narrative perspective. And this weekend we'll be telling in our storyline thus far. So we'll have the four Saturday matchups, one of which I will get to in a minute. They will be Atlanta at home for the smoking hot team from Austin. Houston trying to find something good at home versus Seattle. And Dallas desperately trying to get a first win back in Texas, trying to get their first bite of the pie against NOLA. Rugby New Jersey will be back at Dunder Mifflin Stadium to face San Diego. And then finally, the apparently lesser of the Gill teams will be back in L.A. to face the Utah Warriors, who are high-scoring all the time right now. Meanwhile, of course, the big one, my friends. Oh, boy, my beloved 3-1 Free Jacks fresh off their win at the Paper Factory. They'll be opening up Veterans Memorial Stadium for the first time this season. It's going to be incredible. We'll be facing the Toronto Arrows. I do want to say there has been so much hype leading up to this. I hope it doesn't turn into a distraction for the players. You know, it's going to be a real scene. And while we're likely to be favored in this one, I wouldn't take this Arrows team lightly. And this is a league of slim, slim margins. So, guys, there'll be a lot of noise of all kinds all around you. Try to maintain that focus you've had all year. We'll do the cheering. You guys do the job. So, let's ride. Okay, everybody, that does it for another week. Woo, kind of a long one there. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. Thank you for reaching out. It's always great to hear from you. Special thanks again to COVID Craig, a nickname I fear is going to instantly stick. So sorry for that, my friend. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, you can use Twitter at UpScrum. You can find me at the Scrum of the Earth podcast on Instagram. You can always email me at scrumoftheearth at gmail.com. If you can bring yourself to drop me a nice review, that would be really great. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what we're doing here, there's at least one way you can sort of show your support listed in the show notes for this episode. Anyway, thank you again for coming along to all of you across the globe. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And be well.
It gives me great pleasure to be here today. Oh, it does, Nate.